Really lovely to be here with you. Thanks for the invitation. <clears throat> and I, I need to welcome to uh, the congregation at Tyne Road, who I think are joining us. I don't know if for the whole service or just for this bit. Just for this bit. So very, uh, very warm welcome to you all. Uh, Project Possible. Uh, I'm going to talk a bit about that, but I want to, to root it firmly in Scripture. Uh, it struck me as Ruth just read the passage there, where it starts, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. That's perhaps not the most promising start for uh, any, any speaker, um, but I'll try and make sure that that's not quite where we land. Uh, could we have the, the uh, visuals up, please? There we are. I was sitting there thinking, I wonder if I can push anything that makes that light at the top work. I was quite keen to see what that light, light did and how it adds to the worship. I'm sure it, uh, it, it gives us something special. Uh, anyway, I know that as a church, uh, you have supported the work of Project Possible for a lot of years. I've only been involved with the charity for five months. We were Rope, uh, and we've recently become Project Possible. So I want to start by saying a, a very big thank you for that faithful support. And I hope I can encourage you this morning as I speak, uh, as we look at some of the things that have been achieved uh, with your gifts. I looked at the board uh, when I arrived. It's always a good thing to do, isn't it, when you arrive at a church, to have a little look at the board. Uh, and it's clear that you as a church are passionate about mission. Uh, there's numerous people there that you're supporting around the world who are doing a variety of different things. Uh, and when you're in the sort of role that I'm in, that warms your heart straight away. Uh, when you realize that the church is lifting its eyes above the locality uh, and is engaged in the wider world, both the local wider world and then the international wider world as well. Uh, such an important part of what it means to be the body of Christ, uh, that we're people who look beyond ourselves. We're not here to serve ourselves, but uh, to serve God's world. The pandemic has caused us all to reflect, doesn't it? And I think all to change. Here we are, I'm being live streamed. Was that happening two, three years ago? Was that something we'd even really thought that much about? Those changes have been really, really important. And uh, we all have had to make changes that make us fit for the post-pandemic world. And I think when we turn to the scriptures, as we will, we'll see that change, doing things differently, ha has always been a part of the way God does things. I want to wind back uh, a few months to... The June bank holiday. I wonder where you were on the June bank holiday. We still had the Queen with us, uh, and we were celebrating. Linda and I, my wife, went to London uh, in our madness and joined the throngs, and they were many. Were m any of you in London on that day, or are you all too wise? Uh, it was extraordinary. There was just such a wonderful party atmosphere but it was really very busy. I had a rucksack on, and as we weaved our way through the crowds, Linda was hanging on to my rucksack. Now, that seemed, under the circumstances, a really wise thing to do. She's not normally afraid of crowds. Uh, she 
is more than capable of finding a way from A to B. She's a real sense of adventure and exploring. But on that day, it seemed sensible for her to cling on tight to my rucksack strap. However, if she was still clinging on to that rucksack strap when we were in the quiet, leafy suburbs a bit later on, that would have seemed weird, wouldn't it? That would have seemed weird. Just as with our children, uh, when they reach a certain age, we need to stop holding their hands and letting them go. That's the journey towards maturity, isn't it? That's what we all expect to make, a journey that we all expect to make. And I think the journey that we've made as Project Possible is not that dissimilar. Uh, I was talking to a guy called Simon recently. Simon is in Kenya, in a town called Navasha, and he's a youth worker. Simon is part of a brilliant project called Sunshine. They've taken uh, lads off the streets of Navasha who were homeless, orphans, uh, and have supported them for many years, give them residential support uh, and educational support. Simon is a brilliant youth worker. He doesn't need anybody from the UK to tell him how to do youth work. He understands his context far better than anyone from anywhere else does. He's rooted in that community, and he loves and trusts the young people that he works with. One of the things that that we've had to do, and one of the, the reasons we've reframed as Project Possible, is because when we look around the world at all of the fantastic things that, ha- that are happening with our partners, we recognize the need for independence. We recognize the need for people to let go and for their projects to become much more sustainable. And that doesn't mean we don't want to partner with people, but it means that we want to change the relationship, the nature of that partnership. Let's just think a little bit about this passage that uh, we had read. John's Gospel, and it comes in uh, the middle of Jesus' teaching to his disciples, just before the crucifixion. So he's preparing his disciples, who up to this point have spent so much time with him, three whole years, they've been learning from him and travelling with him, and he's now preparing them for his departure. And whilst they don't exactly understand what lies ahead, he makes it clear that he's going to be leaving them and returning to be with his father. Verse 16, 6 says this, Because I've told you these things that I'm leaving, you're filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. Now Jesus gets the fact that the disciples are finding it hard to imagine a future without him. See, it's not a huge stretch, is it, for them to believe that the mission that Jesus seems to have started could possibly go on without without him. You can imagine what they were thinking, can't you? He's going. He's going to leave us. Let's just step back a minute and reflect on what happens next with the disciples. 
So after the death and resurrection of Jesus, they receive their commission to go and make disciples. It says, says it like this in Matthew's Gospel. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, just imagine that you're a disciple before the age of air travel and your job description includes going to all nations. You know straight away that you've got your work cut out. In fact, that's beyond your imaginings, that commission. The task that Jesus has presented the disciples with looks impossible. They had few or no physical resources, and the rough guide for reaching the world had not yet been written. Does it look like a risky strategy? Does this look like a risky strategy to you? Here we are at the dawn of the church, and the beginning of the next phase of God's mission in the world... And the plan is for God the Son, who has spent three years on earth and had an utterly transformative ministry, to return to be with his Father. 33 years on earth, three years of ministry, and he's going to return to the Father. God chose to fulfill his mission in the world, not through being present in the person of Jesus, but by handing the baton on to his disciples. Now just have a little look around the room, briefly. You probably know all of the faces. You're the team, guys. You're the team that God has entrusted it to. God knew that removing Jesus from the scene and sending his spirit was enough to fulfill the mission of the church through his disciples. You are those disciples. See, what Jesus makes clear uh, in the passage is that he's providing the disciples with all that they need for the mission that they're called to, namely the Holy Spirit, all that they need. So back in John 14, we learn that the Holy Spirit will be both with and in the disciples, reminding them, and teaching them all that they need. In chapter 16, we're told that the Holy Spirit will guide the disciples into all truth, making known all that Jesus wants them to know. I hope you're excited about the walk through the Bible, uh, because that's a part of this bit, isn't it? Of you getting to know all that you need to know to to communicate God in the world. So people when they encounter Christians, can see people who understand a coherent story from front to back of the Bible about God's mission in the world. See, as I thought about this passage, I could see an obvious parallel with the work of Project Possible and the things that we've been doing and changing. The danger for long-term mission has always been dependency has always been dependency. 
The sort of support that many organisations give can breed dependency. Not because people want to, not that either party wants to, the givers or the receivers, but that's just what happens. And that can be the death of creativity, and it can be the death of innovation, it can be the death of an entrepreneurial spirit. So we decided that part of our definition for success had to involve projects and people moving towards and achieving independence. We need to ensure that projects could see a route to sustainability. And we firmly believe that we should be encouraging both churches and individuals in the countries in which we worked to become a part of supporting the projects. So it wasn't always money and support coming from over there. It was that partnership together within a country and within another country to support projects. So we needed to answer a question. And the question was, when's a good time to encourage our partners to develop more sustainable models of operation? And the answer was really obvious, and the answer was now. It's not something we want to put off. It's not something for the future. It's something for now. And it's not... It's an obvious thing to do because everybody in the, equa in the equation is really capable of doing it. So here are three lessons I think that we can learn from the model of Jesus' ministry, the model that Jesus adopted for growing the church. And I think they're applicable to Project Possible. Uh, and I, I guess the question over Sunday lunch today is how are they applicable to you here at Billericay Baptist Church? So first one. For Jesus, handing on the ministry was plan A. At the heart of our new model is ensuring from the outset that there is a clear plan for a sustainable future. A clear plan for a sustainable future. How are you doing with your clear plan for a sustainable future? To ensure that this church continues to grow and to impact this region. That you continue to see growth. You see young people coming in. You particularly, uh, to throw out a challenge, see young men coming into your church. How are you doing with a sustainable plan for that? Plan A included a package of support. So just hovering with that plan A issue for a minute, there wasn't a plan B. There wasn't a plan B. We, you and me, are plan A. Jesus didn't think, oh, it will go so much better if I stay around. Everything will work. People will flood to churches. The world's going to get reached if I stay around. God's plan was always to leave. But then, plan A included a support package. For us, in terms of our work, that's training, that's resourcing, that's equipping, that's praying for, that's working with our project partners like yourselves who can pray and support the work that we do. Jesus believed the disciples were wonderful. 
he loved them. You see that in so many elements of the relationship that he had with them. He, he trusted them as much as he could. We look at Judas there and think for a minute, that must have been such a painful relationship for him. The trust that he put in Judas and the way that Judas treated that. But he wanted to see those disciples grow into the fullness of who they were created to be. And he empowered them. He saw their talent. He saw their passion. And the Spirit came and enlivened all of that. That's the relationship that we want to have with our project partners. It's about seeing all that somebody is. Whatever the restrictions are about their their geography, the limitations of where they are, to see the potential of who they are in Christ and invest in that so they can bring those gifts to their fullness. Plan A looked pretty risky, didn't it? Plan A does look pretty risky. And plan A continues to look risky. Plan A will always look risky. And and that's okay. That's okay. That's where faith lies. Where we've got to put trust in what God has entrusted to us and live for his glory and continue that discipleship journey that each of us is on to be all that Jesus wants us to be. See, the gospel, the good news of Jesus lived in word and deed, continues to transform people's lives day by day. I don't know through what ministries you see that here, but I guarantee it's happening. If you're teaching the gospel, you will be seeing lives changed. If you're living the gospel, you will be seeing lives changed. Now, sometimes that can be frustratingly slow, can't it? And sometimes we can get really discouraged. But God's spirit is at work. It may be taking longer. We may not see the fruit that we'd love to see. But believe, God's spirit is at work because you are plan A. So in closing, what I'd like to do is just... uh, through some pictures and, and some illustration, talk about a couple of the projects that we're currently doing uh, so that you understand how this model of work is working out. Uh, first of all, I'm going to take us off to uh, Western Kenya. We're on our aeroplane and we're flying off to uh, the, the Rift Valley of Western Kenya. And we're up at about mm, 7,000 feet. Uh, and it's a place called Kimalili. There, we have one of our next generation projects. The, that's the, if I want to just describe in, in very simple terms, we have two sorts of projects. One is the big ones, next generation projects, and our Sparks projects flow out of the next generation projects, and I'll talk about a Spark project in a minute. This is one of our next generation projects, a hospital that we've been involved in supporting for lots of years. The vision of a Kenyan pastor uh, who did extraordinary things to bring this hospital into being. 
Uh, it now delivers about 8,000 operations a year in a very rural and poor context in Western Kenya. One of the, the team, uh, and you can see him there on the, uh, the right-hand side, <laughs> I had to do that, <laughs> my right and left are always confusing, um, he was an orphan that we supported uh, about, I think we started support about 20 years ago, uh, and he became an eye surgeon in the hospital. How wonderful is it that God does those things? Uh, and now he performs lots of operations that um, take away people's cataracts. Now, cataracts are a, a massive issue. Uh, half, I think it's estimated that half the, the cases of blindness in the world are caused by cataracts, and it's a really simple operation. Uh, so we can fund that and see transformation. We've been doing that there for years, but our focus has moved uh, to uh, children with clubfoot. Uh, so clubfoot uh, is fairly easy to treat, um, but it is quite common. And in this particular area in Ken Kenya, it would be seen as a curse. So we're still in a context where uh, the role of the witch doctor is very real, uh, and a family who has a child with clubfoot club uh, are likely to be isolated in the community and seen as cursed. Uh, one of the, um, the, the nurses from the hospital recently visited her family, and they had a child who'd got club foot, and that child was being kept in a box in the corner. Uh, now, we just you can't imagine that, can you? And this is an easy operation to fix. Uh, there's one little fellow who's had the operation, uh, and the smile on his face says everything, uh, and if children are caught very young, the whole process is so much easier. Uh, it's not an expensive operation. Um, and the bit that we're doing now is, having funded the operation for a number of years, we're trying to deal with the social stigma that's attached to it, because what we've learned is what, what you can't simply do is deal with the physical problem. You have to deal with the social problems that go alongside it. Uh, so the families are, as I said, rejected uh, and uh, seen as cursed. Uh, so we work with the mothers when the kids are in hospital having operations to help them imagine income generation projects, and then we take them through a course to help them establish an income generating project so they can earn money for the family. Uh, so when uh, their child comes out of hospital, uh, they can put food on the table, because often the father's left, uh, and it's a mother alone trying to fend for her child. Uh, and, do you know, hands, handouts are fine, but there's dignity in doing it yourself, uh, and that deeper dignity is what people uh, are striving for. So that's uh, a change in the way that we're working. So when we talk about helping people towards sustainability, it's moving away from us being the, the money that is simply given to being the providers of something that can transform their ability to provide for themselves. Uh, and then just, I think particularly because it's harvest, I'm going to take us to Uganda. Uh, and we're in northern Uganda here. Uh, and I don't know how many of you remember an, um, a movement called the Lord's Resistance Army a while ago, who were an absolutely appalling outfit who... Uh, who roamed, essentially, uh, northern Uganda 
recruiting child soldiers, uh, drugging them and using them to kill and maim. And it was utterly awful. It's this region that we're talking about there. Uh, and in the aftermath of that, what happened was people returned to very much a subsistence farming lifestyle. They, to feed themselves, they just needed to plant, get some crops in the ground, hope they uh, grew, and that was their food for the next year. Precarious. Uh, so we've worked to establish a, an agricultural project there, uh, and at the moment we're raising money for three women, four women, sorry, um, who are um, developing their own agricultural business. So rather than simply planting enough for them and their children, uh, they're planting enough for the community. And, and they're being able to rent the use of a tractor uh, uh, and actually develop some land um, to have a more sustainable uh, future for them and their families. Uh, so there's a shift in the way that we do what we do. Uh, because we want people to, to have the dignity uh, of doing it themselves, and we want the security of sustainability as well. Because who knows? Who knows when we will not be able to give in the way that we are able to give now? Uh, we all recognise we're in a rapidly changing world with all sorts of issues facing us all the time currently. Um, so we have to be wise in the investments that we make uh, wherever we're working um, for the glory of Jesus. And just to say, um, we do all of this in the name of Christ. Uh, with the hospital, the eye hospital, we have two chaplains working there who are working in the community uh, to pray with and pray for all of the people who are coming in for operations. And uh, it is an extraordinary opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with people. Uh, when they are at their, at their most vulnerable. Um, and, and when they can see the transformative power of not just the operation, but of the love of Christians who care compassionately for them uh, as they go through all of the challenges that an operation brings. So that's us. Uh, and we are deeply thankful for our partnership with you. Uh, and I would love just to, to pray as I close. Uh, and... Uh, Ask God to bless what it is that you're doing here uh, in his name. Father God, we thank you for partnership in the gospel. Uh, we thank you that Project Possible can be part of the mission outreach of Billericay Baptist Church. Uh, we thank you for the hearts of people here who've been warm to what it is that we're seeking to do and have supported it over the years. And Lord, we're thankful that your, your spirit is at work within each one of us, moulding us and shaping us and changing us and equipping us for your glory. And we thank you that we have the privilege to be ambassadors of Christ, to take this glorious message of the gospel out into the world in both word and deed. Lord, help us to rely on your spirit and to live in your spirit's fullness. And at this harvest time, we are deeply grateful for everything that you give us through nature, for the rich, richness of its colours just at this time of the year, for the abundance of its goodness as we've 
picked our runner beans and enjoyed our potatoes and uh, all of the things that have made up our summer and beyond. Help us never to forget, Lord God, that, that you have created this world in such a way that it feeds and blesses us daily. Help us to care for it well. For your glory we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.